Hello and welcome to another episode of Blipton, brought to you by the 19 Media Group and Creative Eye Studios. I always forget to say that. I've, I finally brought it in here. I You're proud of me, Kwam. Oh, yeah. We're finally getting there, right? <laughs> Slowly but surely. We are there. We are there. And those dulcet tones that you hear are of my co-host, Kwame. Kwam, how are you today, my friend? Doing good, doing good. Yet again, another week, you know, more Marvel content. Gotta love it. Got blessed with two fantastic episodes of Hawkeye the last week to kick off the the Turkey Day weekend. So excited to dive in, talk a little bit about it. This series has a lot of implications, man. A lot of stuff going on. It, It just seems like such a fun story. I can't wait for this to continue. Can't wait to dissect a little bit with you today. Yeah, like we, we we were deliberating as to how to do this podcast um, mm-hmm. off air, and we decided the best way to do it for you guys is to not, you know, do an episode breakdown, but just because for me and Quam, it felt like just one big episode to talk about the main points, to hit on them, what takeaways we have, the relationship between Clint and Kate, stuff like that, you know, instead of just talking, doing a, a play-by-play of the episode we feel like this is a little bit of a a nicer way to discuss things right like that that's that's our thing here for sure so i'll I'll ask you for your opinion first what was your main takeaway from the first two episodes my main takeaway is uh i really like kate bishop i love her character um a little on the clumsy side but someone who really wants to be a hero and you know it's interesting because a lot of us who are also regular human beings, when we watch these Marvel movies, adventure movies, a lot of people hate on Hawkeye. And I think it's really cool for her inserted in the MCU to look up to Hawkeye because he's just a regular human, but he was sitting in New York fighting the Chitari invasion, just like all these other guys with superpowers, super suits, whatever. And he's just running around bow and arrows doing his thing. And I think she really idolized that and said, I could do that too with enough training, work, dedication. Obviously, you need a little bit of natural talent involved as well. But I thought her, the way she kind of idolizes Clint was refreshing because I feel like so often he just gets the short end of the stick and everybody just shits on him. So I thought that was really cool up front. My lover character, lover personality, all that. I think she's fantastic. And also, another takeaway I have is man, Hawkeye is a tra- traumatized character. This guy has dealt with a lot. He's still struggling with demons, still fighting them as we speak. Obviously, he had his his entire family snapped away during the blip, went on a killing crusade for five years, joined the Avengers, lost his best friend in uh, Black Widow. And, you know, now he's just trying to kind of regain lost time, but his past is back to haunt him with the Ronin suit kind of being resurfaced. So... That was kind of the big, the two big points in terms of the two main characters is that, you know, they're kind of very different um, in terms of their styles, but something is going to bring them together. And obviously it's this common threat, but I'm just so interested in learning more about this character of Clint. Obviously, Kate Bishop, we're going to get a ton more moving forward in this series, but I'm very interested in Clint just with how he's going to deal with all this trauma because he's dealt with a lot and he's still trying to come to terms with it and 
it's interesting because he doesn't really see himself as this great hero like a lot of other people do because he knows the terrible atrocities he's committed. So I'm interested to see where this series ends with his character. But those are my two biggest takeaways that kind of start off these first two episodes. Yeah, and two very pertinent ones as well. Um, the, the trauma that sometimes when you're watching these films and stuff, you don't realize just how much Clint goes through, right? Yeah. He goes through the death of Natasha. He goes through the death of Tony. Steve's effectively dead. Um, Thor is with Quill and the Guardians of the Galaxy. H- Hulk is basically just a professor now. Yeah. Um, like, he's by himself. After oh, being part family. of a group for so long that he considered family, like mm-hmm. you said, it's wild, man. It, it, it really, really is. So, great, great point. Kate idolizing Clint is awesome. Like, just the little snapshot of her looking outside of her penthouse. uh, You know, it's nice to have a penthouse in New York, eh? Right. Could you imagine the price on that? Jeez. We'll get there one day, Quam. (laughs) Oh. We'll get there. Even if we have to, like, split it half-half. We'll get there. We'll make it work. (laughs) And... Yeah, it was really refreshing to see, because like we talked about the MCU being broken down into three, you know, different sections. Mm. It's really refreshing to see a regular human like Clint, whose only real power is what having incredible hand-eye coordination, uh, be you know, publicizing to being this big thing, and it is nice. And Kate and. The fact that she's tried to emulate him her entire life is really, really cool. Yeah. And he like he doesn't know how to react is the biggest thing. Like she tells him that she's like the his biggest fan, and he's like he's like a bit taken aback, like me, really. Like, you know, like not not Iron Man. My biggest takeaway is I need to see that Rogers musical, man. <laughs> yes, that is true. We we need it. They got to give it to us at some point. Disney Plus exclusive. Feige, hear us. Release it. Give at Kevin Feige. Yeah. Give us the full thing. Just call out Ant-Man in the Battle of New York, please. Right, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there, <laughs> but you know, whatever. <laughs> when I saw Clint's eye roll, I eye rolled too. Like, what the, what the fuck? Like, how, how did this happen? Like, who did, what's going on here? Did they not check in with anybody? Not? Okay. Okay, cool. What, what else, right? Like, you know. So... All joking aside, the biggest takeaway that I had is just how fra- while Clint's relationship was fractured, and but he always always had his family, right? Mm. I don't feel like Kate has that figure. And while she's a lot younger, so mm. she hasn't been through the type of trauma that Clint has, still been through a lot, man. Like when yeah. you actually think about it. Um, I'm hoping that this series is a way for clint to show kate how to deal with that trauma and not end up like heavily traumatized in life because that would be a really really cool way to introduce kate into the mcu like i know we've already seen two episodes of her Mm. but just in general it'll be a really really cool way because when you think about her father dying her mother not being well she obviously cares about kate but not in a way that like it's love and affection there is love and affection there, but it's mostly like, oh, here, you know, here's money. Um, you know, 
you do something bad, I'm going to take away that money, even though she's not really, because she's got, like, a penthouse suite all to herself in a different building. Like, you know, woe is her. Um, yeah, it was, like, Kate's been through a lot. And then you had her apartment going up in flames. This whole thing of being, like, with Hawkeye and getting kidnapped by the tracksuit mafia, which, tracksuit mafia sidebar while we're recording. What a, what, what a great addition to the MCU. They're fantastic. They are a hilarious group of people. They, like, are, they are funny. I like them. When, when, when we talk about additions to the MCU and how Phase 4 is leading more towards like horror and being dark and brooding, I really like the fact that we still have lighthearted entertainment in the MCU. The way yeah. they were saying, bro, like I told you before we start recording, just took me back to Bosnia because... That's how everyone talks when they speak English. It's hilarious. (laughs) It It is funny. I liked it. I really got a kick out of there. Just their general dialogue and like how they're supposed to be this intimidating mafia group, but they're like kind of like a silly bunch of people. Even, you know, when they were throwing Molotov cocktails in Kate's apartment, you know, and they were getting set on fire, you know, they're laughing at each other. and It's fun. They're a very lighthearted group. And I like that introduction. Instead of everything being such a serious tone, they kind of lighten the mood while, you know, trying to be this imposing group of people. They have a little bit of fun and comedy, too, which I think is always great. Yeah, I, I I really really introduced I really really dig the introduction of, of the of the tracksuit mafia. Mm. Um, I'm just I don't know. I Kate's mother give me lingering for I I know we're not supposed to like her right like that's the vibes I'm getting. However, I don't know. There's just something off about her mother. I don't know what, how you feel. I didn't mention it to you before we started recording purely because I wanted to get your reaction on the pod. Um, how do you feel about just that relationship there? Because there's just something off about it. I'm going to be honest. She kind of gives me the vibes of just the the rich, neglectful parent, similar to like how Tony envisioned his dad being towards him. Just like a parent that's like, yeah, I'm a parent, but you know, I have other things to take care of. Obviously she has her security company, and is like the CEO woman, boss woman, which, you know, all power to her. But her daughter seems more like an afterthought until something bad is happening. Like, couldn't even loop her in on her engagement. Like, that seems odd to me. You know, you and I discussed that earlier, but that's an odd piece. And that's kind of the vibe that I get. It's just another neglectful parent that is too wrapped up in her own life, stature, status, that hasn't had time to be that parent because they are a single parent if that makes sense. So I think that's odd. Um, Well, I guess it's not odd. It's kind of on brand for our superheroes, but I think that's kind of why she has her, her, the person she looks up to is in her mother. Cause you know, her mother was trying to coax her ultimately into taking over the company. You know, that was like her, her, what she wants for her daughter. Meanwhile, her daughter wants to be Hawkeye instead. And obviously those two things don't align, but to see that is just kind of reinforces the notion that I made that, her mother is kind of just a figure that's there that she cares about, but isn't her role model, isn't who she looks up to, isn't who she wants to be, why her mother thinks that is. And obviously, you know, those are two completely different things. She just doesn't know her daughter as well as she thinks she does. And obviously, while that's slightly different than Tony, because Tony basically just turned into his dad when it was all sudden death. Yes. <laughs> it's it's that 
idolization of Hawkeye, which is really driven Kate to be who Kate is and who she's going to be, not who her mother wants her to be. And hopefully at some point in this series that comes full circle and her mother understands that's who you're supposed to be, not who I want you to be. But it's just the telltale story of, you know, a kid trying to find their place in the world and their parents having their own agenda for them. That's kind of the vibe I get. But obviously, like you said, there's a little bit of sketchiness there. Like, how, how are you that wrapped up? You couldn't inform your daughter of an engagement. You married this weird guy. Every time, you know, your daughter, who has known you your, her entire life, is trying to warn you of things about your fiancé, and you're just kind of shrugging it off, and even to the point where you're getting a little upset at your daughter. It seems a little odd. Instead of hearing her out, There's there seems to be a little bit of backstory there, which I'm a little curious about. I'm sure it'll get revealed later, but no, you're totally right. The mother is an interesting figure that I'm not quite sold on just yet. Yeah, and I feel like we'll get more information the longer this series goes. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the mother, segue to her fiance, Jack, um, Jack Duquesne. Um, you know, if you read the comics, he is also known as Swordsman, which yeah. we got the references with, you know, he took Ronin's sword. Aside, but before we start to talk about Jack, how did that black market auction get all of Ronin's stuff? I have no idea. And that's what I'm curious about is to where was all this left? And apparently they even had the Avengers lot number. What was it? 236 or something like that. They had the keys to an Avengers lot. Where did all this come from? But again, is this just another, you know, Tony Dark story? Because, I mean, this is the same thing that happened with the Vulture. They were cleaning up the mess from... The bat, the invasion of New York, we're able to get all this alien technology, and Stark Corporations comes in. It's like, nah, is this another situation where you know somebody? Obviously, Avengers Tower was sold, correct? I mean, Clint confirmed that that it was sold a couple of years back. Obviously, prior to the, I assume it happened at some point during the blip, right? I would assume yeah. is when he sold it. So, were, did these people happen to get some of that stuff there? Maybe Clint left the suit there when they kind of re-recruited him. I'm very interested to know what happened and why this group had all that stuff. And I assume whoever bought Avengers Tower, which I don't think we know of yet, do we? Nah. So maybe that's the connection. That'd be my guess straight out the gate, is that whoever purchased Avengers Tower, Tony didn't quite clean up as well as he probably should have. And that may have just been due to you know him dying shortly after, but... I'm interested to know where, what happened there, because apparently they have a hold of a ton of Avengers stuff, including the Ronin costume. Yeah, because it's just weird, right? It's one of those things that Clint seems like a very meticulous guy. It doesn't seem like one of those things that you just let just anyone have as yes. well. So I, that's why I asked you about it because I don't know. Like even that gives me like bad vibes. Like is someone selling out Clint at one at some point? Someone selling out just the Avengers and superheroes in general. Where is Wong? You know, because Wong appears in everything. <laughs> right. Is he going to show up at this point? At this point, ex- Wong can show up anywhere, and I won't be surprised. I'm expecting it. Like, I'm half expecting it at this point. <laughs> right. I'm really intrigued to see where they go with Hawkeye after this point. Because they totally. can go a multitude of ways. And obviously, we, we have Yelena, who's about to pop up out of nowhere at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to dissect who's behind the murder of Armand Duquesne the third. Um, I feel like we all know who that is though, right? Yeah, like, I mean up front, but hey, they could totally pump fake us. But no, I think we have an, a very, very good idea. Um yeah, it, it, this I really, really like Hawkeye. And 
they've done a fantastic job. Is there anything else like you want to touch on that you know you, you, you said to me before we started recording? There was one thing you did not want to tell me because you wanted to get my raw reaction. I want to yeah, hear it right now. I got a theory for you, man. Shoot. Obviously, at the end. So okay, it seems as if this entire story is revolving around the Ronin suit, correct? Yes, the Ronin suit and the sword. The tracksuit mafia bombarded the auction as the sword and the suit were being sold, almost to an, to an extent trying to retrieve it. At the end of the episode, we find out that Echo, who's also getting her own Disney Plus spinoff at some point, is the leader of the tracksuit mafia. In the comics, she was the original mantle hold, holder of the Ronin, the first Ronin. Do we think at some point Clint was working for Echo during that five-year span and maybe the backstory is him trying to avoid reconnecting with echo in the darkness that they were doing in the new york city underground that's my theory that's i like that and they were both working for kingpin yeah and i think that's why he feels this remorse and since everything's starting to come back he's trying to kind of erase that portion of his life so desperately and i don't necessarily know if he's concerned of it just getting tracked back to him but is he concerned of it getting back into the hands of say the original ronin echo and even just to build a little bit of echo's backstory for those of you guys don't know in the comics she was kingpin's adopted daughter um a hard of hearing like olympic level athlete that basically had taskmaster abilities you know able to see something and basically recreate it hence the name echo because you know an echo is just like a uh like a reflection of what just happened you know if you say something and you know you hear an echo you'd hear the same thing repeatedly and that's kind of the way her name kind of comes into it but like i said she was the original ronin so is there a point where Clint and her have a backstory during this whole blip period? Because obviously he was working to exterminate New York City's underground. Was that to reassess Kingpin's power of being the the soul? Because you know, in the comics and everything, Kingpin is the the Kingpin, the you know, the big guy of New York City's underground movement. Was Clint's purpose to kind of eliminate a lot of his threats? Because I find it very hard, and you know, I feel like a lot of people felt that way. It was really hard to believe that this superhero just turned into this killer to just deal with the loss, traumatic loss of his family. It feels like there's something more there, and maybe this is what the more is. Maybe he was up to something with Echo. Maybe, and like I said, like you said, maybe they were working under the kingpin. But that's just my initial theory that obviously, like I said, everybody's trying to get back this Ronin suit and sword. There's a reason they captured Hawkeye. Because remember, he was sitting there like, guys, I'm not who you think I am. They're like, you're Hawkeye. We know it. And then, you know, at the end, the tracksuit mafia guy goes to Echo and it's like, we got them both. Why do they need them both? So that's just my idea. And obviously, I think Jack has a bigger role in this. And like you said, I don't think Echo's a bad guy. And Kevin Feige said that. Could be could teeter the line of anti-hero, But maybe they have to work together to get this Ronin suit back that for some reason Jack is trying to get a hold of. Yeah, like the tracksuit mafia might have archaic methods, but they might be using those methods for good, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're just trying to keep the Ronin suit. Obviously, because Jack has that connection to Kate, yes. they might have just thought that Kate was working with Jack. Yes, yes, totally. Like, legitimately, right? Mm-hmm. And then that the Clint was helping her help Jack. So... 
it actually makes sense from if the tracksuit mafia is trying to keep it out of their hands. Yeah. Out of Jack's hands in particular, right? The swordsman, because who knows? Maybe he does. Maybe he's got something crazy going on, and they're like, he cannot be the guy to get it. And while yeah. Hawkeye's trying to get it, the tracksuit mafia is trying to get it, and now their their missions seem a bit more aligned. So I I feel like episode three is really going to tell us a lot of what's going to happen moving forward. Because like you said, we're going to get the big echo reveal what we did at the end of the episode. But what are her motives? What is she doing? And is there a previous history with Clint? What's going on? Because Clint says I've made a lot of enemies. The tracksuit mafia, or sorry, the, that suit has made a lot of enemies, including the tracksuit mafia. Is there a point where he tried to escape them because? He knew what he was doing was right. I'm very curious to this dynamic because it seems like there's a lot of backstory into why Clint was doing what he was doing in those five years during the blip. And I think all that's going to come to light, including the appearance of Yelena trying to, you know, make amends as, as you know, Madam Hyde just trying to build her own team up. So I think there's so much that could possibly happen. And I feel like four episodes left just, ah, can we really get it all? I feel like, I don't know. The episodes have felt long, though. Right? They do not, feel long. Not drag. They don't drag. No. They, they've been great. They just feel like there's a lot packed in there, but it's not like just thrown at you. Yes. Kate is very, very interesting because she, I don't know. Like, we touched on like the whole Young Avengers thing, right? Is she going to be the leader of the Young Avengers? She could, That's what I it mean, feels she, like. She's to probably me. the oldest one up front, to be honest. And yeah, I don't know who else could at this moment. I mean, she's probably the only one that's been revealed that's an actual that is on her way to being the actual hero thus far. Yeah. We don't really have someone that's a leader or a hero no. yet. I mean, <clears throat> you know, like I said, Stature hasn't really come into her own. Patriot hasn't come into his own. Um, Wicked and Speed are still trapped in dimensions. She's the only one who's present at the moment. And I guess, um, what's his name? The new Falcon. He's he's present too, but even him, he still has it. He still has to fix the wings first. So she seems to be the only one there. Maybe she is the 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 de facto leader. I would welcome that. I would love that. But this seems like something that's slowly brewing in the background of this this universe, and I'm interested when it will come to light. But she's obviously the one who's gotten the focus the most first. So I could totally see her being the the leader of this group and you know she's 22 so i don't think the other people were that old they all seem more teenager-ish no she's like 16 yeah according according to to yeah yeah you ask clint she's literally a child (laughs) (laughs) clint needs to get off his old man cave man yeah seriously that's one thing (laughs) i did want to say is like obviously because we've watched the mcu now for what going on 13 years yeah almost 14 oh wow I think you forget that this is like in human years, they're like five years ahead of us. Yeah, because the blip Cl- happened. They are five Cl- years in front of us. Clint's legitimately an old man. Well, a middle aged man, anyway. What is it? Late 40s, early 50s, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say late 40s, <clears throat> mid to late. So he's not old, old, but he's getting up there. We see Bruce Banner looking old. That man's hair is yeah, all gray. Man. He's looking old, bro. And I don't even know if that's how he really looks in real life or if he's just old. And it might be because, I mean, he's been doing this for, like we said, 13 damn years. Well, I guess not 13 because they had Edward Norton before, but you get the point. Mark Ruffalo's aged and stopped, <laughs> you know? So he, he's not Paul Rudd. Yes, yes. Paul Rudd is 
perma aged at whatever number he's at. <laughs> whatever number he stopped at, whatever number he was, like 30 something, he's been that age literally forever. It's great. But yeah, like seeing Clint as an old man or like acting like an old man, it just doesn't feel very Avengery, right? Yeah. Like, because obviously the superheroes are supposed to be bigger than life. And when he's seen with a hearing aid, I don't know, it makes him a lot more personable, right? Yeah, he's because a human. he's a human. I also think it's interesting that, like, even we noticed throughout the first couple episodes, he's able to just kind of walk around doing his own thing. Like, he, he, not a lot of people point him out, like, oh, you're Hawkeye. Every person now and then it's notices, like Kate noticed. Um, I forgot the, the LARPer dude's name. Whatever. I forgot what his name was. Um, The dude who stole his suit. He noticed he was Hawkeye. But, like, you know, when he was in the grocery store buying neosporin and band-aids the cashier didn't recognize him like no. when he's walking through the the town square and the kid was like mommy a superhero and it wasn't him it was a dude dressed up in a superhero <clears throat> again i think that relatability of him just kind of being a normal dude he considers himself basically a normal dude i think he understands even like at the at the very beginning of um episode one where he was out eating getting food with his kids and the waiter's like oh dinner's on us he's like that's not necessary i don't think he's really accustomed to the superhero no. life i think he gets spurts of it here and there but he doesn't embellish it or he doesn't like it and i think he really doesn't like it because of his stint as the ronin and he doesn't feel like he deserves any of that praise of being a hero that's my opinion i think again i think this entire series is really going to wrap up the hawkeye trauma and him dealing with this dark past this really really dark moment of his life and, you know, and they're going to throw it all at us because he has to deal with this whole Ronin pass. And then he has to deal with Black Widow's death, obviously, because Yelena's going to come back and that you killed my sister. So yeah. he's going to have to deal with both of these issues by the wrap up of this series. At least I hope so. I hope they don't leave us on a dirty cliffhanger. I hope it all comes full circle. But I'm very interested in hearing, you know, just the the humanization of Hawkeye. And I really like it so far. You know, I like when they make people relatable and make them seem like they're human. And obviously he is, but I think it often gets lost that all these superheroes are just, you know, above everything and they don't deal with, you know, personal issues or anything like that. And it's really cool to see that. And we saw that WandaVision too. She dealt with her trauma, the entire series of losing the love of her life and her life being completely ripped away from her. You're not, it's not quite the same thing in a Hawkeye because he did get his family back, but he did commit atrocities, even though being labeled as a superhero. Yeah, definitely, man. It's, this it's giving me questions but in a good way right yeah. it's not like giving me questions of like oh well what the hell is this it's like i legitimately want to find out what's going on right and i'm i'm really intrigued to see which way episode three goes mm-hmm. because i think because like it's only six episodes yeah you have to fit everything in and it feels like if Echo's going to go down the route of being a good guy, it's going to happen pretty quickly. Has to. If Yellen is going to come and like attack him before we find out who the big bad is, which we think, which we all assume is Swordsman or Kingpin, or you know, there's like a myriad of options who the big bad is. But mm-hmm. Yellen is not the big bad of this. We no. we realize this early, yes. However. We have to find out that aspect of this story as well. Because you're not just introducing Florence Pugh to be a side character here. No. Like, she's got to have a pertinent point. And 
I'm really intrigued by all of it. It's fascinating to me. Like it truly legitimately is fascinating to me to see what happens from this point. Agreed. And my big thing, I'm very curious about Jack, right? <clears throat> because like you said, comic book, he's the swordsman. He did steal the Ronin's retractable sword, which seems to be a highly coveted item. He killed Armand, right? I he ha- in my he has to at this point. Like, I don't see how not. But remember, even when they were bidding. His uncle had said, you don't have this kind of money. He's like, I will soon with the inheritance. So I assume he's the the next up in line to receive all the money that Armand III has. Correct? Am I right? Assuming that? So the only motivation, he has to kill him. Or he's taking Eleanor's money. Right? Like, that was the only two things. But then once I saw Armand dead, I assumed that as well. Exactly. And then, you know, even when Kate went over for dinner, it's like, oh, yeah, sorry for your condolences. He didn't seem that sad. Like kind of you know whatever you know what happened. Kate was more sad. Yes, because like what you know, how did somebody die in New York by sword? Like what? And the sword is obviously missing. And you know she even put him to the test with this sword skill. So I'm very curious to what his motivation is because obviously he he needs the sword and the Ronin costume to some extent, and he needs a lot of money because I don't yeah I don't think he just killed his uncle for no reason. He needs a lot of money. And what's his purpose? Does he really care about marrying Kate's mom? Eleanor is her name, correct? Yes. Does he care about her? Or is he trying to get something through this marriage? Obviously, she has a ton of money, and she owns a very high-profile security company. Does he need that security company to help further his goals, plus the money, plus the sword? What does this all combine into? Those are the leads that I have just kind of dissecting his character off the bat. But I'm very curious as to where this all lands. But it seems like, like I said, he needs the sword. He needs a bunch of money. And he needs something that Eleanor has. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It really, truly is fascinating to me. Um, I, don't, I feel like... I don't know. The vibe that I got from Eleanor, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I feel like she knows about Jack's stuff. Whether it's she's impervious because of love, whether she's a bad person, which I don't think she is. I think it's just the love part. I feel like she just wants to believe that it's that he's not these things. But I don't know. The vibes are just too ominous. He he's just a bad dude, man. Yeah, and that was like apparent out the gate. I mean, I know he falls into a lot of cliches of the bad guy, you know, goatee, slick back hair. Just kind of has that dark guy vibe, you know. Like, yes. right out the gate. But, like I said, I'm so interested in his motive and who is he working for? What's the whole point? Because he really seems... It, everybody really wants this Ronin suit. And to be honest, it just seems like a suit and a sword to me. I mean, I don't think it grants you any sort of special powers. I mean, the sword is cool because it is retractable, but, like, what is it about this sword? Or is it, or are they hunting the persona of the Ronin? Because, obviously, it seems like that's built up to be more of a story than we thought it was. I didn't even think anybody really knew about it it seemed like just like a a thing that they were tracking because they knew it was clint but i'm just so interested in knowing what jack's goal is here like i said we know echo is not the main villain and honestly she might join the protagonist in their efforts to defeat him but if there's one thing i know about standard tv shows and obviously marvel's not this isn't a standard tv show when they show you a gun early the gun's gonna make an appear appearance later and for example, the gun in this point is the sword. They showed us the sword very early. Is Kate going to have to duel the the swordsman Jack 
for his uh for for to get the the sword back. I'm interested. I think that's what's gonna happen. But again, I need more on Jack. I need more about his character. I feel like we'll get an episode basically dedicated to that. We must do. We have to. But there's not a lot of episodes, man. We're third. That's what's killing way through the series, and I feel like we've we haven't moved a ton. No. So it's got to be just immense action. But if we know historically, I feel like episode threes and fours in these in all these series have been the big turning points, the big yes. you know climaxes where things just start to get a little crazy. I think this Definitely. is where this is going. This next episode is where a ton of the story is going to get opened up. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Not really. I mean, obviously, we we have an idea of madam hydra and we know she's gonna make her appearance at some point but what is her goal why is she sending yelena to get hawkeye what what is the reason is she trying to get yelena to recruit him but using a recruitment tactic is oh yeah that's the guy who killed your sister doesn't seem like a great recruitment tactic and just an fyi to madam hydra and she probably knows this he didn't kill natasha yeah she killed herself which is pretty yes yeah it's pretty morbid, right? Yeah. But she sacrificed herself for humanity. And what's Madam Hydra's endgame here? Yes, that is going to be the big thing. And I think she's going to be the big earthbound hero. Or sorry, earthbound villain, more specifically to say. Because if she's truly building a team, a team to do what? And somebody's obviously gotta stop them. And I assume it's yes. our own Earth heroes. But I'm just so interested what her goal is. What does she want with Clint? It, it's fascinating, right? I does she want no revenge idea. for what Clint did as the Ronin? Does she want Clint on her own team? Like, th- there's a myriad of options there, right? Like, it, it's really, really, I don't know. But it's, it's hard send, to dissect. Yeah, but they send Yelena in, obviously, because she does have that connection. But What's uh what's our what's our good friend um US agent doing? I yes. what like what is he doing right now? Is he just, just hanging around? John Walker, is he just hanging around? I really just need to know what her thing is because it's so interesting to me, and I just want to know what's going on here. And I, I need can't and, lie. And I again, can't lie, guys. Like 50% of our discussion is like what Madam Hydra is doing when we're not on there. Like, legitimately. It feels like just this huge looming cloud behind us, just waiting to just creep in and just rain all over this this stage of the MCU. But that's the thing that's so interesting is that, and like we discussed very, 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 very early on in, into this phase four, is that they're not building, it doesn't seem as if they're just building one villain up again. It's many no. groups of villains on different planes. And just... That's why I find it really hard, especially with the inclusion of so many characters starting to get brought in, to just do one Avenger-style movie where everybody's together. Like I feel like that'd be really hard to pull off moving forward because, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I don't see any reason why Spider-Man's going to be fighting these Thunderbolt guys when he's got his own Sinister Six sitting on his hands and he's, you know, got to team up with Doctor Strange and all. Like, this doesn't seem like those... Or is it Doctor Strange? Or is it Doctor Strange? What if he's the whole thing the whole time? Like you said, maybe it's not really Doctor Strange. What if it's really Mephisto? It was like a for all along. Or something. It's gotta be. Like, and that's the thing. 
opening up the multiverses gives any possibility. And obviously, it really gets cracked open in what, like, what we said in that, like, two and a half weeks. It's yes. cracked open for real. The multiverse is really upon us. Obviously, we saw the end of Loki, but it gets cracked open for real. And that's the fun thing about this, and I think it's so interesting. The humans haven't really dealt with any multiversal no. issues just yet. Like, we didn't see it in uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Sorry, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I guess now it's Captain America. You know, whatever. Um, we're, we're not really seeing it much here with Clint in New York. Just hanging out. Obviously, it's coming soon, but I'm just so curious on what their effect is. It seems like the people, the humans themselves, are dealing more with the blip and yes. how that has affected their lives. While everybody else is just kind of, you know, they're either chilling or just dealing with their own personal vendettas or things outside of the scope, like in outer space and other things and all interdimensional issues. But it's going to be very interesting. Very, very interesting indeed. Because, you know, like I said, we had the Eternals who had a bigger issue than the blip. Obviously, the blip returning started the emergence, but they kind of got over that real quick. But what's their story? We have Shang-Chi. What were his rings calling out to? There's still so much that hasn't been divulged. We still have barely moved off the ground of Phase 4. Spider-Man Also, if we're talking about like the end of Phase 3, beginning of Phase 4, what's Nick Fury doing? What... You know, I actually saw a very interesting theory, and I think we should talk about this for a moment. Go on. When did Talos take over Nick Fury? Do we know when? Do we have a good timeline? So I actually saw something where they think that it happened in... What was the movie where he was getting assassinated? Is that Winter Soldier? Winter Soldier, yeah. But remember, he was basically dying, and then by the end of the movie, he's back and healthy. Yes. They think that that was the moment where Talos had taken over as Nick Fury. So Fury just got on a holiday. More or less. And he's been around this whole time. Because think about it. If he really got blipped away and it wasn't Talos, how in the world did he somehow take she or sword to the point it was when we saw it? Remember when he was walking out yeah. on the space station? If he was really gone for five years, who the hell was developing all this? I ha- I'm very interested to know, and I think we'll get more of that, obviously, with Secret Wars and all that, or Secret Invasion, sorry. But I'm very curious to know when Nick Fury went on his vacation, because him healing his wounds seemed way too fast, because he was when he was describing them, he was basically beat to hell. you know. Yeah. And for him to kind of just reappear at the end was a little interesting. Maybe he's been chilling this whole time, taking care of all these other matters obviously um maria was heading part of sword was nick fury around this whole time just helping her and kind of just operating in the shadows while talos is actually the one who got snapped away i'm very curious because it just seems like a lot that happened when this guy like there's a five-year gap where he technically shouldn't have been around but it still seems like so many advancements have been had and then you know he gets the call from or uh, sorry, uh, Monica gets the call at the end of WandaVision yeah. saying, oh, yeah, they want to meet you up there, and it's Nick Fury, but if he was gone for five years, there's no way he could have been doing all this, right? Unless he's just, like, the quickest mover in history. Or he just got good people working for him, one or the other. But I'm very I need Colson back. <laughs> right? They gotta give him. They gotta give him. Come on. At what this point. Why, right? why not? Why are they holding out on him five years? With the multiverse? We, we got to get Colson back. Bergaman. But yeah, Colson would collab. 
that would that would be great. But yeah, man. So that's just kind of what I'm curious about in terms of when Nick Fury and Talo swapped out. When did this happen? Do we know? Do we have a great indication of when? But it seems like it could have been in that Winter Soldier like mix up there. That, that that's uh, fascinating. It is because I, I feel like Nick Fury has a lot more to do with what's going on right now than what he's trying to like than what we actually know at this point. Yes. Because obviously he was close with Monica after what happened in Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Not Monica, uh, Maria. Maria, Maria, yes. Maria Rambo. Um, a lot closer than what we, we were led to believe. Um, there's no way she runs sword without shield absolutely having their fingers all over that shit. That's what right? I'm saying. Like, like, it's impossible. Like, in the beginning, they made it seem like Nick Fury had an eye, literally an eye, on everything. Like, he always knew what was going on. But, like, after he was, quote-unquote, injured, killed, it seemed like like nothing, like, he, he just didn't know what, any, what, what was going on. And that's so off-brand for Nick Fury. I feel like he's still been on it. He's just obviously operating in the background. And that's why I think... That's why I'm kind of on board with the, yeah, maybe he was just chilling this whole time, setting things up, worrying more about the next big threat, S.W.O.R.D. being the more space-oriented yes. group, than the Earthbound things. Because he was already worried about in the first Avengers. Yeah. Oh, totally. He was terrified. Yes, he was, and that was his thing. He's like, you know, we see these threats, but this is just the beginning. There's people all over the place, and that's due to his encounters with Captain Marvel in the Captain Marvel movie, seeing all these aliens that are just out there, the Kree and the scrolls and all these super powered beings out there while we're on earth. How do we protect ourselves? Cause there's no reason why they, they at some point someone's got to show up. Right. So yeah. that was his whole motivation out the gate to starting the Avengers. It, I find it really hard for him to just have completely fallen off the grid with everything that's going on. Yeah. So it's like, I, I don't know. It, it feels like, it's been great so far it just feels like there's just a lot of information we need to know about Hawkeye in a in, in little time as well in, yeah. in little time it's not a lot of time but I'm sure that they'll get us at some point but it's exciting that's why we watch these shows man is to continue to learn more about this universe and just dive deeper and deeper in and they haven't disappointed yet and I'm sure they're going to give us a hell of the next four episodes but we get episode three you know in two days basically yeah two days so it's gonna be exciting man i'm ex- and i really hope that's the one that cracks open this story just pours in on what's going on around us a hundred percent man a hundred percent so Quam, where can the good people find all your great work you can find me on the twitter sphere at laquam james follow the late night lakers um on Twitter as well. Take a tune into the Late Night Lake Show podcast. Also powered by the great 19 Media Group. Make sure you're checking out all the 19 Media Group content. There's a ton of great content creators there from every aspect talking about everything. It's a great group. Please, if you can, take the time. Go in, learn a little bit more about us. Take a listen to the podcast. Watch the episodes. Whatever you need to do. Hey, 19 Media Group, we're on our way. Alan, where can the fantastic people find you, my brother? On here... The Laker Side Chats at Alaramich03 on Twitter. My last podcast appearance was on Quam's and Ricky's Late Night Lake Show. Um, yes, sir. It, it, was, it was a good time. R- Ricky let me rant for about half an hour. It was great. 
I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I don't know if the listeners did, but it, it, it was therapeutic for me. Oh, no, uh, they did. You were speaking the gospel on there, my brother. Thank you, man. And yeah, you know, you know me. I, I'm so excited about Spider-Man and then Hawkeye and then everything <sighs> on top of it. It's so great. <clears throat> Spider-Man's going to be legendary, bro. Legendary. I, I cannot wait. Oh, man. I'm gonna spoil it. I'm joking. I'm joking. Nah, I won't, I won't I'm, you, I'm going off. The, I'm going off the grid until that I see that movie. I promise you. I feel like that would be the end of our friendship, right there. Oh, it totally would. I don't know. Nah, that'd be it. I gotta avoid anybody spoiling it for me. So I, I gotta start. I gotta get up. I I can't be on Twitter like that because somebody who just retweets bullshit and ruin the whole movie for me. Speaking of, this. anyone who spoils things is an asshole in the first week. Easily. Without a doubt. Look, give people a chance to see the damn movie. Not everybody's got Especially time. Especially people like us in England. Yeah. Well, like, no, we're we're getting it two days. Yeah, for real. People like y'all do not spoil it for the rest of the world. Don't be dirty. Let you everybody get a chance. Anyway, he, no, he, I know he, you don't. But hey, if there's anybody out there, if you spoil movies, you're an asshole. That is the worst possible thing. Let people enjoy it, man. The same way you enjoyed it, let other people get a chance. Don't spoil it for them. Let them see it. And then you can talk cool with them and, you know, chop it up. But don't be spoiling the movie. Don't go on Twitter retweeting BS. Don't go on Instagram putting stuff on your story. Don't don't be that guy. Or unless, unless you're just doing it to, you know, tell people to not watch a horrible film. Then you're doing, like, a public service. Yeah, but just say the movie sucked. Just say that, yeah. man. But don't sit here and tell us pl- key plot points or nothing like that. Don't tell no. me how it ends. I want to hear that. I want to experience it myself in Dolby Cinema. And theories. Shameless plug. Oh, okay. Okay. Shameless. AMC Cinemas, if you want if you want to sponsor us, we're more than yeah. happy to take your money. Yeah, invite us to the premieres or something, guys. What's going on? We'll do it. <laughs> we'll go. Yeah, we'll cover media coverage. We'll hey, we'll sign the embargo, whatever needs to happen. I'll fly to America. Yeah, let us in. We'll do it. Let We're here for it. This is our plea. Let us in. Let the content, let the good content creator, let the good content creators. Let the little guy out. win. Let yeah, the win. we'll serve you well. We will be the best Marvel students. We will go out there and sing the praises. If the movie's good, if it's trash, hey, we'll give honest opinions. But you know, we won't spoil well, nothing. Spoiler free. Yeah, yeah. If you pay us to about yeah, we'll say whatever the hell you want to say. Yeah, <laughs> don't matter. It does not matter. Listen, if Ennis Cancer can change his name to Freedom, we can do anything for Marvel. Yeah, I'll do anything for Marvel. They can they can do whatever. I'll slap my Marvel for Marvel. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, thank you guys once again for listening to Blipton. Please be sure to leave a rating, review, wherever you find this good content. And please be sure to share with all your friends who do enjoy the MCU. Um Please get vaccinated. This new variant is scary. Um, it's called the Omicron variant. Sounds like a Marvel supervillain right there. Right. Like, you know. And as always, wear a mask, wash your legs, wash them, and be sure to stay blipped in. Take care, guys. See you later. Have a good 